It was so funny. It was so kind of him. Like I have all these, we both do all these scars on our hands from like ceiling fans. I can't even tell you how many times I've been changing my shirt and like my oh hands. Oh my gosh. That's like my worst nightmare. I'm Nina. And I'm Liz. We don't have all the answers, but we do have a bottle of wine and some thoughts. If you're looking for honest musings on life, happiness, health, and wellness, you've come to the right place. We'll even throw in a couple off-the-wall jokes, some personal stories, and of course, some shenanigans. So grab a glass of wine and join the conversation. So we had a really, really wonderful conversation with Christiana Hill, who is probably the most interesting person I've ever met. She actually reached out to us, which side note is why we love when people reach out to us because there's so many people that are awesome in this world that we just don't know yet. And we're so happy to have met her. So on one hand, she's six foot five. So she's literally Nina's human opposite. We had a lot of conversations about our height (laughs) and it was wonderful. Like I need to, we need to meet in person so I can stand next to her and grab a picture. You could be on my shoulders and then we would maybe be her height. So she's six foot five. Her and her husband, who's six foot seven, they actually now live in a school bus that they've refurbished and made into a tiny home. We saw a sneak peek. You don't get to see it in the episode, but it is super cool. So yeah, she's doing that. And she started her own business. She has a story about how she got there and how kind of the first decisions that she made around quitting her job were really fear-based. We talk a lot about how, you know, the differences between fear and making a decision out of fear and making a decision out of bravery and intention. She now has a business where she helps women learn about their best and bravest selves. Um, She does group coaching, has a lot of different things on our website about journaling and artistic journaling and lots of ways that women can learn how to get in touch with their brave selves and how bravery really isn't a giant leap that you have to make, like quitting your job or leaving a relationship or moving the con- you know, to a different country. It's little baby steps that you can do every day that add up to just you being a braver person. So, But before we hop into the episode, to celebrate that my health coaching is going full-time, I'm doing a special offer for the Wine and Shine listeners. And if you mention that you are a podcast listener, I'm going to be giving 15% off my three-month coaching package. And all you have to do is you can message me either through the Instagram account at Wine and Shine Podcast or my personal account at Nourished with Nina, or you can head over to my website and you can email me from there, which is nourishedwithnina.com. But if you are struggling with stress reduction, adrenal health, and specifically gut health and just trying to feel better, that is what I focus on and what I specialize in. I'm currently in a gut health certification course. So if those are some things that you're trying to work on and start healing, reach out to me and just message mention that you are a podcast listener and you will get 15% off my packages. I'm not going to talk anymore because this interview was seriously fascinating. Um, We loved meeting Christiana. So we hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Christiana. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. We have not had an episode as unique as this one, I will say. Yeah, because there's two folds. There's like the tiny bus story and there's being awesome, brave, living your best life story. I know. Combining it all in one, I feel like it's going to be an epic conversation. Oh my gosh. Thank you guys so much for having me. I am so pumped about this. Yeah. So first of all, you reached out to us, which is wonderful. We love when we are introduced to people that we might not have come across before. And 
Like, I think the first line in your email was like, I'm 6'5", and I live in a school bus. And you're like, well, that's an attention grabber. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, I am going to be on HGTV. And I was like, what? That's so cool. And so then, of course, we're like, we got to go to this girl's website. And then we did. And we're immediately like, she is perfect for the Wine and Shine podcast. So can you just tell our listeners a little bit about all of those details? Oh my gosh. I don't even know where to begin because honestly, I kind of feel like that girl sometimes where people think that I'm making things up. Uh, Like, no, this is really my life. (laughs) All of these crazy things have happened. But I I usually just lead in with that and just in emails because I think for me, at least the whole bus story, the whole journey of how I got from corporate nine to five to living the school bus, it was a journey and it was a process. And a lot of people think that it happened overnight. They're like, oh, wow, you just quit your job and started a business and bought a bus and it was cool. Like, you're one of those people. And I just love leading in with it because it really sparks that conversation and gets people asking how we did it. And it was actually not as glamorous as it seems. It wasn't as cool, like the big overnight rags to riches kind of story. That's not me. So I guess when I start, I really should start back in 2015. Had a regular old nine to five job. I was an athlete. So six, five played volleyball, had to do something. And I was kind of that girl that followed all the rules, mm-hmm. you know, like the, just lived my life based on what everybody else wanted for me, got married to my wonderful husband, but we were shopping for regular homes and it was just, we lived a really boring life. Mm-hmm. Like we were getting the promotions and had the nice cars and 2015 just was a really rough year. We had a lot of family stuff happen, personal injury, and we literally decided to run away from our problems. So we, t- mm. we applied to teach English in American Samoa. So I'm not sure where I left off, but we decided to literally run away. We decided to teach English in a little tiny island in the Pacific, got in. And the next day, my husband broke his leg and we couldn't go. And we've gotten rid of our apartment. Like we put in our notice on our apartment. He quit his job. We were like, peace out world. We're just going to figure our lives out and just run away. And all of a sudden he breaks his leg and we were like, "Uh, what do we do? (laughs) What are we going to do? And to me, that was really kind of the start of our whole process. I wish I could say in that moment that we, you know, decided to really do things the right way, but it was a slow process of figuring out what we wanted to do with our lives and what do we want to do with our careers? And do we even want this house that we were shopping for Mm -hmm. forever? And do we really need to run away from our problems or can we face them? And so from 2015 to now, it's just been an evolution of not only us, but our lifestyle. So starting to take jobs that we wanted. And then for me, it was leaving a job that I didn't like to start to pursue a business. And then last June is when we bought the tiny house mm. and, or sorry, the bus to turn into a tiny house. And this past year we've been renovating. We're almost a year in and we're almost officially in it 100%. It looks beautiful. Like I if know. you did not tell me you were in a bus, I'd be like, you've got this wood beam behind you. It looks like a fireplace or something to the left. I'm like, what is... <laughs> I know. If this was one bar. episode, coffee bar by you, if this was one episode that we should be Instagram live in, I feel like it's this one. Or you are going to have to give us a tour, like a virtual tour of your your bus home. What do we call it? Like a bu- a bus. Yeah. So it's, we learned this. This was like a whole process for us. Cause originally when we wanted to go tiny, we were thinking something weird, like a shipping container or, yeah. you know, maybe like a little tiny house. And so figuring out what kind of tiny house we wanted was a process in and of itself. But uh, when we realized that we wanted to do a school bus, we found this whole community of people. They're called the schoolie family or what? like the schoolie community. I did watch, I did watch on HGTV, like one family that renovated a school bus. 
And it was very entertaining and I loved it. But I didn't know they had like a crew, like it was a whole community. Yeah. Like, so all these people in our lives were like, you guys are crazy. You're going to live in a bus. And we're like, no, 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 no. Other people do it. Yeah. We're not cool enough to come up with this idea on our own. And so we found this school community and all of a sudden we're seeing all these amazing, beautiful buses on Instagram and on YouTube. And, and I was like, our bus has to look like this. And he was like, Christiane, I don't think you realize that's kind of an undertaking. But he did it. Oh my goodness. Wait, so... Because I was going to say, I was like, does one hire a school bus company to like... Or just a contractor? Yeah, to redo... Because it looks like from what I saw... Because I was like, okay, obviously you're six foot five. So I was (laughs) like, the first thought I had was like, logistically, how do you stand up in a school bus? Because I remember like, as an elementary kid, I already was like kind of close to the top. And yeah. so I was like, never close to the You top. took the, the bottoms out, right? Stop it. <laughs> it wasn't. I'm only 5'3". I'm not that much taller. Than well, you got a, quite a few inches on me. I I was six feet in sixth grade. So, so you were I ducking. I was ducking. Uh, our bus was actually six foot two on the inside. So being six five now, I had to like, my neck was craning. But mm-hmm. yeah, so we actually had to take all of the windows out on the side of the bus. All the seats, obviously. Like, so you've got the entire inside. But then we took out all of the windows and we literally sawed our bus in half with the, with the power tools. No I don't know what Power tools, sawed the bus in half. And then we had these jacks on the inside and we had just a couple people in here with us and we're like slowly jacking up the roof and it's like twisting and moving. It was the most nerve wracking thing because I was like, now we have a convertible and it could potentially ruin our house. I can't <laughs> even imagine sawing a bus in half and making a tall Just roof. casually sawing we, a bus in uh, half. Yeah, because we did mention that your husband is 6'7". Yeah. And so he, yeah, like you both needed the taller space. Yes. And it was so funny. It was so kind of him. Like I have all these, we both do, all these scars on our hands from like ceiling fans. I can't even tell you how many times I've been changing my shirt and like my oh hands. Oh my gosh. That's like my worst so night. So I told him, I was like, we don't have a ceiling fan, but my one wish, like this is our first home. My dream is to be able to take my shirt off and not scrape my hands on the ceiling. Yeah. And so he made it just like it's eight foot two. So if I stand on my tiptoes, I can touch it. But for the most part, I can comfortably change without risk of bodily injury. What a good thing to have in your home. And I'm Um, sorry, but I just, I find it so fascinating. Like, because it's such an opposite world for me. Like I can, mm-hmm. I never have to worry about hitting my head on anything. Like even like <laughs> the lowest tree branch. <laughs> You're like, good. People laugh because I don't even notice it. I just walk under it and people have to walk around it. I'm like the perks of being four nine. Like legit. I don't even, I never have to duck. But think of all the things I, she can reach in a cabinet that you can't. I know, exactly. <laughs> think about everything that's normal sized that she can reach that I can't. I mean, like, so everything in our bus, even the countertops are higher. The They're about four inches higher. Our light switches are higher. I mean, everything is built for our specifications. So we've had friends come in and they're like, this is an Alice in Wonderland kind of vibe. Yeah. Like, I feel really small. Well, it's, but I was going to say it's, it's hilarious. Yeah. Because my husband just got a stand-up desk and he got it yesterday. And so today I came in and I was literally like my arms were above my head like typing and when he stands it's at his waist and I was like this is so comical like I couldn't even <laughs> share a desk with you like it has to and of course he has to adjust it down when I'm podcasting I have a couple logistical questions because I'm very I'm just the more I think about it the more I don't know so did you have to get a bus license to drive it so good in the state of Florida which is where we are good question I had to do a lot of research on this uh, a CDL like a commercial driver's license is a process. 
And so in the state of Florida, there are three specifications. If you have like a cooktop, plumbing, or some sort of electrical, like 110 electrical, you can register your bus as an RV. So we did that. And technically, our school bus is an RV now. Oh, did you have to take lessons to know how to drive? Like, you're just like, we're going to figure it out. We're going to get behind the wheel. Yeah, like, let's do this Miss Frizzle style. Yes, Miss Frizzle. Yeah. To be fair, like me, I'm the bravery girl. But the one brave thing that I can't do is drive the bus yet because I just feel like this is our home. I don't, I'm not super comfortable driving big vehicles anyway. Yeah. I just don't like to drive it. So Kyle, my husband, drives it. And one day I'll be brave enough to do it. You will, because you are the bravery girl. So the bravery girl. Do you just like park it in a parking lot? Do cops come over and they're like, excuse me, you can't park your house here? Or is it like camping yeah. where you actually have to camp it in a certain like designated area? So up until this point, just because we still have a couple projects that we're doing, we are parking, we'll like park at family, family's houses. Mm. So right now I'm parked at my father-in-law's house. He has like a big piece of land. We're kind of in the back. It's really cool. And then we've just ever gone locally. But eventually when we are taking it on the road, um, we'll just stay at RV parks or, I mean, I'm not planning on like parking it randomly on the side of the road. But if we're traveling, I've heard that Walmarts are a really great place. I was going to say it was a good Yeah, like park. I'm not going to stay there for days, but if we're driving and you want to stop, like, cool, I'll park at Walmart. Right. Why not? You have your beautiful, comfortable home wherever you go. It doesn't matter where it's parked at. Yes. And that's the coolest thing for me because I love traveling, but I am the worst packer. Mm -hmm. Like packing gives me anxiety. I think my pants take up twice as much space as anybody else. (laughs) My shoes. like Yeah. Let's never talk about shoes. So packing just always makes me so like, ah! Yeah. And uh, I can just have all of my things here. That's so nice. Okay. Now I want to go back to the whole bravery thing because I know, like you said, people think probably, oh, she just, she's one of those people that just was able to quit her job and move on. And I can relate 100% because I just quit my full-time job. My last day is tomorrow. I know. And I am not one of those people. Like anybody that listened to this podcast or Liz knows, like I'm not... It's been like a year of... Turmoil. Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) Anxiety, stress, tears. I just, I don't make big decisions. And so it's kind of crazy. And I feel like if people don't know me, they could think the same thing. Like, oh, you know, she's just one of those people that can just quit her full time and go start her own business. And like, no, that's not me. So how did you transition into doing this? Or like, were you always, were you an anxious kid? Or were you just, did it take you a while to find your brave voice? So for me, I've always kind of been that perfectionist people pleaser. So yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, you tell me what to do. I was just kind of like the, the perfect little athlete. Like I'll do, I'll follow the rules. Actually, one of the things I, I was, I didn't quit my job overnight, but before I had any clients, before I really knew what I was doing, I, it had been like a year process of going to IIN and figuring out this health. Oh, life. me too. Oh, I, was I, know, I saw that. I was yeah. Like, I didn't even um, know that you were IN too, but and mine's the same thing. It wasn't overnight. It was a it was a complete year process yeah. to get there. And that was kind of so I went through this whole process, but then before I had any clients, before I was really even sure what I was doing, I did quit my job, mm-hmm. and it took there were like some brave steps to get there. But for me, I quit my job, and that was like kind of a long line of brave decisions that we had done. So my husband and I moved to a new state so he could start a dream job. So that was kind of the first brave decision. And then choosing to go to IIN was a little brave decision. And so I I like to say that bravery is kind of like building muscles. Mm -hmm. You would never go up to the 
roided out dude at the gym and be like, Hey man, can we work out together? Cause it would just, it wouldn't work out for you. Yeah. And so for me, when I eventually did quit my job, it was not, I was not in a position where I was ready yet. And that actually wasn't a brave move. It was actually a fear move. Mm. I was more afraid. Like I just invested all this money in this coaching program. I should be farther along in life. What if I'm settling in my life? What if I you know, have all these regrets? So for me, quitting my job was not kind of the, the next brave step. It was actually an action taken out of fear wow. versus out of courage. Got it. And so for me, kind of how I got where I am now, I had to there were repercussions to that, you know, not being able to pay bills, freaking out that I can't find a client, all the negative self-talk that comes with it. And the picking myself up, I like to call it like the the resiliency and the the bravery to get up from that experience. That was really where I got the foundation for my business. So I had to pick myself up. I had to dust myself off, figure out how do you run a business as a real business owner? And then what's my message now? And that went through some grave shifts, you know, trying to figure out who I am and what I want to say in this world. And so it wasn't until about a year, you know, it was probably about a year later that I figured out that bravery is what I'd been doing all along. And it really came out of taking those little brave steps. So picking myself up off the ground after my epic business failure, failing a couple of times at different messaging things, you know, the tiny house story, taking those little steps. Yeah. And all of a sudden, when I looked back on my life and I saw, wow, I did start a business. I did find success in my business eventually. I did buy a tiny house. We are renovating. We did. We eventually moved again to build our tiny house. And that was when the whole, like, if you look on the whole, it was really brave looking, but people weren't seeing the steps. Mm -hmm. They didn't see the struggles and they just assumed. And it drove me nuts because I was like, you guys are dismissing yourselves. You're thinking that you can't do it. And this was a two and a half, three year process for me. You didn't see all the steps along the way. So that's kind of where the art of bravery was born. I actually had that thought. Well, because I've been thinking a lot about comparison. And I think it kind of ties into that with people looking and saying like, look at her living this crazy schooly life, being awesome. And I, I, it kind of clicked with me the other day that I'm comparing the way I phrased it to my husband. He's like, you need to like, make that a meme. And I was like, no, it's fine. Um, I was like, I'm comparing my insides to someone else's outside. So like, I'm looking at their, everything that they're putting out there and I don't know what their inside is and they don't know what my inside is, but I'm obviously very aware of like every fear I have Mm -hmm. and every struggle that I've encountered. Like those Mm -hmm. have been a part of me for almost 30 years. So I think it is really easy for people to make that unfair comparison. Absolutely. And there's always more to the story. That's kind of been my motto the past month. I've been telling myself there's more to the story, whether that is seeing somebody on social media and assuming that their life is perfect. Or sometimes even if we're like for me, bravery, kind of have like a three-part bravery process. And one of the parts is bravery in others. So being able to have hard conversations mm-hmm. or you know deal with gossip or deal with comparison. And for me, sometimes realizing that there's more to the story is if somebody's, if I hear that somebody's gossiping or I see things that they're saying about somebody, not believing that, realizing that's just a snippet and there's, there's always a bigger picture. It's just a snapshot, a scene of a bigger movie. And if we can remember that, I think it makes it a lot easier for us to be brave mm-hmm. in the moments, yeah. like in the tiny little moments. Tell us a little bit about your business and the art of bravery and like what that looks like. Yeah. So the art of bravery is, I like to say it's a lifestyle first and foremost, but it's a lifestyle mixed with community. So um, the art of bravery is basically a way of living in which you don't settle. 
I firmly, firmly, firmly believe that we are all put here for a reason. We all have gifts and it's, we, we can't live a life where we settle in a relationship that's not meant for us in a job that's not meant for us in even patterns of thought and beliefs that we have about ourselves. Because I know that there are so many men and women in my life who've impacted me and it's because they stepped into their purpose and they use their gifts. And I kind of asked the selfish question, like, what would happen if I didn't have them? What if they didn't step into their purpose? I wouldn't have been able to step into mine. And so the art of bravery is a lifestyle in which you don't settle. And it's also a community of women. So right now our events are online, but hopefully with the bus soon, we'll be able to do in-person type stuff. Like Columbus? Uh, Yeah. Like just, it's a cool place. I'm just going to like throw it out there. Come to Columbus. (laughs) (laughs) I'm all about it. Let's go to Columbus. Yeah. Yeah. just, Just meeting other brave women. And I think we have this skewed definition of bravery. And I think a lot of us see the women who are quitting their jobs or who are marching in Washington or, you know, soldiers or people who are fighting terminal illness. And you're like, wow, they're so brave. I can't do that. I'm not as strong as they are. And I feel like that's, that's heroics, but bravery is actually the ability to fully accept who you are. Yes. It's being able to share your whole heart and acknowledge your gifts and share your flaws even. And I think when we look at bravery and courage that way, it gives us a whole new definition. And that's how you you don't settle in life. Like when you start to embrace who you are, you can move forward as that person. Everything started to change for me when I did just that. Like when I started, I was really hard on myself, like thinking, oh, I'm really bad at change or I get anxiety when I do this. And I had like this really terrible false story about myself in my head. And I was like, you know what? Like what if instead of looking at my anxiety or the things that hold me back as a, t- as a bad thing, I kind of started to look at them more as gifts. Like, well, what do these actually, how does this serve me? Like how does being worrisome actually serve me? And then I kind of was like, you know, like what's there to lose? Like I, I just kind of started taking these baby steps that seemed like nothing at the time. Like mm-hmm. starting the blog or starting the podcast and start enrolling in IIN and all of these little things. And then the more I started doing it, the more confidence I just started building in myself. And I was like, oh, like there, I'm not different than anybody else that's doing this. It's literally just a mental shift that I made. That's all yeah. it was in the end was me choosing to say, I'm just as capable as all these other people to do the things that I want to do. And that I had to catch negative self-talk a lot. And I'm still working on that. I think we always, like, I'm still like, I quit my job. Like, am I going to get enough clients? You know, like, I'm still worrying about that all of the time, but I'm just not letting it hold me back anymore. I'm like, you know what? I can do whatever I set my mind to. That sounds super cheesy, but it's true. I love that. And I think the big thing that really comes across when you talk about that, that I really just want to point out is the fact that it was an intentional process for you. I think... Mm -hmm. So often when we're like caught in that negative self-talk or that cycle, or we don't like our lives, we just assume I have no ability to control my circumstances or my situation. If something positive happens to change my life, great. I'm open for it. I'm, I'm open to that promotion or that new job or whatever it is. But I don't think that people take enough initiative to shift those thoughts yes. and to challenge those thoughts. And if we just spent half the amount of time working on ourselves and believing ourselves as we do beating ourselves up, Mm -hmm. we would be way farther ahead than we are right now. But it's an intentional thing. How do you start to teach that to people? Because I think a lot of people is so ingrained. Like Mm -hmm. it could even be from generations to generations. Like it's in them that they feel like this is how I am. This is how my brain works. And I'm not a person that take, you know, I wait for things to come to me, but I'm with you. And then I don't think that's true. I think that we all have the ability to, to direct our life the way we want it to go. So what are the tools to get there? Uh, such a great question. The first tool that I think 
everybody needs is awareness because even before the I'm just waiting for life to happen to me is I'm just functioning and I'm not even aware that I have this these beliefs or this mm. this way of thinking. Okay. It's just I'm existing in my day to day. And I think that's one of the scariest places to be in because you're not even aware that you're unaware kind of thing. Yep. Um, and so for me, awareness is the first tool. So how are the thoughts and the self-talk that you're having, how is that impacting your ability to show up every day? And I think that that person who's struggling with that awareness piece, that's when it's really great to listen to podcasts like this or uh, read a book or um, even uh, like, so with my business, I've even started to put together t-shirts, like courage t-shirts. Cause sometimes you even just put on a t-shirt and you're like, okay, I'm going to be brave today. Like Whatever it is. But from there, you have to take the next step. And this is where it gets a little bit tricky because I think so many people get caught in almost like, I forget who said it. I don't know if you guys know Andrea Owen. Um, mm-hmm. Her business is called Your Kick-Ass Life. I heard her say this yeah. on a podcast. And she said, so many people start half-assing their development. Mm-hmm. And they start consuming all of this self-help information. And they think that it's helping when but really... They're not Stop acting. talking to me Liz. right now, Christian. We, I was going to say, remember, we <laughs> talked about that. We did, because, but I still do it. Because you read and <laughs> I, I remember I it was a podcast or not a podcast. It was a lecture in IIN and it was this dude. I don't remember his name, but he talked about like how you read and you listen. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get super pumped and you're just stuck in the... Well, you feel like you're doing something. Right. But and you're not doing anything. But you're not. Yeah. Then you're like stuck there. You don't do anything. I say that I'm researching but I'm really just making excuses. But to I will say, there. Liz, you have started to make the steps recently. Like you are making them. Really slowly, like at a snail's pace. But you're still doing them. You know, everybody has at their own pace. Absolutely. And I think that once you're in that, that next phase, my phrase that I tell all of my clients is information does not equal transformation. So you get more information. It's not going to transform your life. Yeah. The missing piece is activation. So you have to use it. And that looks different for everybody. So I give my clients journaling prompts. There's like 101 of them. I'm like, just if you want to Russian roulette it, just like spin something and pick one, do it. But journaling is great. I've also helped people art journaling. So like maybe you can't write, but you can just slap some angry colors on a page and express yourself. Oh, wow. Um, sometimes it's being willing to take those brave steps. So I've even told people to do a, a bravery bucket list. Mm. Like what are things that scare you? Anything from wearing a crop top outside to like having a scary conversation with your boss, make a list and start checking these things off. Because when you start to activate it and you start to choose courage, choose bravery, choose strength over and over again, yeah. you're taking the information that you learned that you learned, and you're activating it and you're showing yourself, okay, I can actually do this. Mm-hmm. This is a, like, I can feel stronger and it's like building muscles. Have you um, heard of... Well, I'm sure you've heard of Gabrielle Bernstein because a lot... Yeah, everybody has. Her book, Spirit Junkie, which I think is her first book, she talks about like you... She would self-talk, you know, positive self-talk, but then she would actually do something. So she... I remember her first thing was she would like ride around on her unicycle and do positive affirmations. And when you start to do those things and then you feel it in your body, it tricks your brain. Well, it doesn't trick your brain. It like reteaches your brain. So when you're thinking positive and you're doing positive, all of a sudden you start living positive. It's like your brain's like, oh, I feel this. Like I can do this. This is who I am now. And before you know it, it's it's your automatic. I mean, you'll obviously revert once in a while, but it's your more of an automatic response for you to do and think positively and more confidently. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that is so 
I mean, obviously anything that Gabby B says is just gold nuggets. Oh, rain down those nuggets on me. And I, it's (laughs) so true. And I think one of the big things that we don't realize is that there are moments where we are going to slip up. Mm -hmm. But I was telling somebody this before. I don't care if you say God, universe, like higher power, whatever. I feel like we always think that if I turn left and I should have turned right, like I made a mistake. I'm working on my affirmations, doing all these positive things. And then whoops, I slipped. We kind of feel like uh, I'm lost, like, or I, I missed my opportunity or I wasn't brave. Therefore I'm not brave. And I think we have to realize that God doesn't need a GPS. You might have, you have a purpose and a plan for your life, but there are 50 million paths for you to get there. So if you go down this one, cool, like we can redirect. Yeah. So I just, I mean, it's like, I think it's so important to think of it that way and to make it the positivity of practice and not a yes, no, black, white, I succeeded or I failed. Now, what do you do if asking for a friend? Because um, <laughs> you indicated you were a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I'm sure when you, just the school bus as an example, I'm sure when you made that leap, people were like, you're ruining your life. Like, I mean, people, I feel like people have very angry responses to how other people live their lives sometimes. Yeah. Like, why are you going to be like yeah, that? Maybe yeah. not necessarily so. So what would you recommend for someone like, I've been trying to work on not being as much of a people pleaser. It's very hard for me. How can you kind of, because I view it as cur- sometimes like courtesy, like, oh, I want to, you know, I care about this person. I care about, you know, what they think because they're an important person in my life. Mm-hmm. How do you make those brave decisions that sometimes may ruffle feathers and keep those people in mind, but not let them drive what you're doing? Yeah, it's like this really slippery slope between, I think as soon as we, like some people are like, oh, you can't you can't listen to what other people think and you just have to do you and blah, blah, blah. I, and I don't think that we can totally discredit other people or their feelings because then we lose our humanity and they lose yeah. that connection with them. But we also can't be defined by what they want for us. And so it's this really sticky situation in between. How do I navigate that? And I'm a big Brene Brown fan. And I realized I just, she's, she Amazing. and Gabby, you guys are just great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, they're listening podcast right now. Guests, yeah, they're going to come on. They don't, just don't know it They yet. don't know. Yet, yeah, but they're, they're on. Coming. And one of the things, when I first read her book, The Gifts of Imperfection, yeah. she had a section on boundaries. Funny, that's like our second episode, Liz. Remember? We it, read The Gifts of Imperfection. We were going to do book reviews. We were going to do book reviews. That we only did one book the review. The only one we did. <laughs> was the oh book we could have read The only one that you need to do, unless you want to do any of her other ones. Yeah. It was really interesting because she's talking about people-pleasing, and I'm like, I can so relate, I can so relate, I can so relate. And then she had the section on boundaries and I was just like, this makes no sense to me. And I glossed through the whole chapter mm-hmm. and went back a year later and I read it and it made so much sense because one people pleaser or recovering people pleaser to another, I feel like we throw ourselves in the fire to keep other people warm. Mm-hmm. And that's the definition of not having boundaries. Mm-hmm. And so I think when we're in this process of people pleasing and we're trying to be something that we're not or be there for everybody else without being there for ourselves... I think we have to come back to that idea of boundaries and what does that look like and what does self-love look like in terms of our boundaries. And it's a really kind of like weird up in the air question, but I have found that the boundaries are so important because we start to feel resentment towards the very people that we're trying to help. Yes. Oh, that's very true. You know what I mean? And yeah. so it's like, even with my husband, sometimes I'm like, I love you. And if I don't put my boundaries in place, like alone time or self-care time, I start to resent my husband who has supported me unconditionally in everything that I've ever done. Yeah. And so when we're caught up in those moments, I think we have to choose boundaries knowing this isn't always going to be a comfortable process. Mm -hmm. And there might be a moment 
where this happened to me last week. I was just talking to my clients about having the courage to connect with others and the courage to put boundaries in place. And I put them in place with a particular relationship in my life. And I thought it was going to be a really positive thing. And I just got walked on. It was like my integrity was questioned and my loyalty was questioned. It was so uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? My relationships are shifting and they're changing, but I feel good. Even though this is a face, I call it the face down in the arena moment. Like my face is filled with dirt. I don't know if I can get back up. It was so much more worth it for me to say I kept my boundaries in place and I stood up for myself. Yeah. Then I caved. Mm Mm-hmm. And we just have to realize that that is a choice and it's a practice like we've been talking about. Yeah. That's kind of everything I've been viewing lately. I've come to find if you put it in the framework of being a practice, you're able to give yourself a lot more grace. Mm -hmm. If you're not like... It's not black and white. Yeah. Once I... I mean, just dieting is always the easiest example. Like once I hit this weight, I'm done. Like you're never done. Yeah. Not... I don't condone... I like intuitive eating. That's more my speed. But like any kind of goal that you're working towards, it's always going to be a practice because you'll get close or you'll get there and then something will shift and you'll have to go a different direction. And yeah, it's always yeah. changing. For when I quit and started this health coaching thing, I was like, okay, like I made that goal. And I was like, okay, and I was brave and I did it. But I know this year coming up, I'm going to hit a bunch of roadblocks. I know that there's going to be a lot of things that are going to test me that are going to make me think, did I make the right decision? Am I really good enough for this? And, you know, and I think that that's normal. And I've, know a lot of small business owners that talk about the same thing. So it's it's hard for us to be like, oh, we're just reverting back. But it's all a learning process. And I, you know how you said you really firmly believe we're all here for some reason? It's like, I believe that too. And I also feel that, feel that we're here to learn. Like we're here to discover who we are and we're here to learn. And so this entire path is going to be that way. Like we're never just going to be perfect. Like we're always here to discover about ourselves and do new things. And that's actually really refreshing to me. Like this might not be what I do in 10 years from now, but I'm sure I'll find what I'm supposed to be doing 10 years from now. We'll just see where the path leads me. Absolutely. And it's so funny. Like I think we try to, we almost do ourselves a disservice by trying to avoid the pitfalls in the road. And I know that some of them can be avoided. Like there are certain things that we don't need to create or like a path that we need to go down that we see are really rocky. But I think that we don't get to appreciate the high moments unless we have the low ones. Yep. And so we try so hard to avoid pain or, you know, we try to numb our feelings out or, you know, we try to like, we know this person is going to be a really hard conversation. We try to avoid them instead of embracing it and realizing this is part of my journey. And I can't make my journey any shorter through this, but I can sure as heck make it longer if I try to avoid this this situation. Like I have to learn this lesson right now. Mm -hmm. And I I love that. Like the fact that you're going into this year and this journey with like, I know there's going to be hardship, but this is all a part of the process. This is how I learn. This is how I find who I am. Yeah. Learning to trust myself. And I think for everybody, it's like when you finally learn just to trust who you are, it's so much easier. I don't know about you, Liz, but you know how you are always trying to people please, or it's the same thing with me in that like I'm always... I worried. I realized I was more worried about what everybody else thought and like what my parents thought and if I was going to fail. And I was like, is this, am I really worried about for myself? Or am I worried about what other people are going to think? And once I started to just knock that down and not care anymore, it was a lot easier. Yeah. I don't know. My new thing, and I don't know if this is healthy or this is like one of the most unhealthy things you could do, but I, when I get these worries and these fears and I'm like playing doomsday prepper, I'm like, ah, everything is going to be gone. And I just made this really awful life decision and I can't be found. I'm so off track. I play the tape all the way through, like air quotes, play the tape all the way through. 
And I think, okay, worst case scenario, if I do lose all my money or if I don't have any clients or if this business is a total failure, what am I going to do? And I start to realize that like, I'm more capable than I give myself credit for. Mm -hmm. And I think we all are. Like, We're all more capable than we give ourselves credit for. And we have more resources around us than we sometimes realize. And we have family, friends, loved ones who aren't going to let us be outside in the cold in a cardboard box. Like, We have things and people and relationships and skills that we can use to get out of any situation. So why are we worried about things that may or may not happen? Why don't we just take them as they come? Yeah. And why do we always worry about all the negative things so much when there's so many positive things? There's It equally could happen. The positive things could equally well, happen as much as the negative things. That's like, okay, so I'm pretty afraid of flying. I hate flying. And I had to fly yesterday. And I feel like I was getting better. But if I go long periods of time where I don't fly, then I get worse again. I have to like kind of reteach myself that I'm not going to die. And my, my yeah. husband yesterday, he, he goes, why do you always just assume you're going to die? Like, why is it the first place you go? Like, the why? likelihood is that you're going to live. I know. He's like, why? And I was like, I don't know if it's like, I never thought of myself as a pessimist. But I guess, I don't, maybe I am. Like, do you know that our brains are wired to think negatively? I mean, that's why we do it. I asked the question. Safety. But I do know that our brains, yeah, we're just wired to, they want to keep us safe. It makes sense. But it's not reality. It's also, just Also, what am I going to do in the plane? A primal thing. If the plane's going to crash, I'm going to die. I can't do anything. You're just going to go. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually love thinking of kind of the primal brain because yeah. I'm like, cool, there is, a whole lot of similarities between me and my cave girl sisters. Like, exactly. Cool. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's really, I mean, and it makes sense. Like the the cavemen and women who heard a snap in the woods and were like, oh, maybe that's my friend bringing me birthday cake. Those are the ones that died. Right, yeah, so, with no cake. Yeah, with no cake. They just got eaten. And so I, I like, I think there is something really powerful in knowing the genetic predisposition that we have to be super negative. Mm-hmm. If it's like, oh, there's nothing wrong with me that I'm driving my car down the road. And I'm like, what would happen if I just drove the wheel this way? Yeah. I, don't I have these thoughts. And I'm yeah. Like, oh, I do all the time. <laughs> totally. Or like that semi truck's wheel is definitely going to fly into my car and I'm going to die. Yeah, I have like, that thought too. <laughs> yeah. But you know what's yeah. funny is we just hosted an event a few weeks ago called Harness Your Fear. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. And we talked a lot about that where we need to say, okay, like, thank you, fear. I understand why you're here. You're here for a good reason. Because if I was always up in the clouds and life is great, then I- I'd be the dead cave woman. I would be the dead cave woman covered in birthday cake, (laughs) fake birthday cake. But it isn't reality all of the time. So it's like, okay, I'm going to use this fear to my advantage and assess my situation. But then I'm going to make the realistic choice and live through it if that's what I need to do and hope that nothing is going to happen. Yeah, I I think I'm going to kind of borrow from Elizabeth Gilbert. She always talks about how... name dropped so many fabulous people. They really should be Gabby B, Brene Brown, Elizabeth Gilbert. Right. Their, their names are all tattooed on my body somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're on the podcast. We talked about this. It's happening. Yeah. But I like to use her example of how fear is always in the car. It's just you pick whether yeah. fear is going to be in the front seat with you or the back. Yep. I always like to say that fear and failure are just chilling in the back seat with me. It's just going to happen. Like I'm going to fail at things. Fear is going to be there. It's, they're kind of like friends. But no, you're so right. And it's I think we have to normalize as much as we can, normalize those regular fears that we that we have, like, I don't know, one of my friends is afraid of ketchup. And I'm like, 
We've got to get over this. We've got to get over the ketchup. Wait, what's with the ketchup? What's the ketchup going to do? I don't know. There's actually a whole group of people online who are, you can look up all the different fears and phobias. Mm -hmm. Like some people are afraid of ketchup. Some people are afraid of hormones. I had a fear. I had a phobia of dogs Mm -hmm. real bad Mm -hmm. because I got attacked by a dog when I was little. Mm -hmm. And when I saw one, I'd like... Like if I went over to a friend's house and they had a dog, I'd be like in the fetal position on the floor. Sometimes I'd run away. Like it was bad. And the only way... <laughs> little Liz. Well, just running away. It just, just accurate. The number of times that I got chased by dogs while I was running or on a bike or like a billion. Yeah. We can. But the only way I got over it was having... I got a dog of my own because I always was like, I want a puppy. They're so cute. And everyone's like, you're terrified of dogs. It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Because I immersed myself in dog ownership, I knew like what was vicious versus what was not. Like if you would have asked me like 10 years ago, like, are you going to go into that dog park? I would have been like, I'm going to jump into a river. That's more likely to happen (laughs) than me going in that dog park. And so I just had to like throw myself into it. That brings me back to my elevator fear, which I... You got to ride the elevator. I still cannot. And I'm over here preaching fear all day long. And like, but there are certain things. And you know what's hard is like, sometimes your brain gets in the way. Like that darn amygdala or whatever it's called, remembers. And then your body... And that's the other thing. I have to remember that it's a bodily reaction. It's not an actual fear. So... When I'm in an elevator, if I'm in, if I get closed in in something very close, immediately my body panics, and mm-hmm. I, it's not something I have to like let it ride, it's ride it out. I need to get over the fear. Sometimes your body does take over, and it's really hard. But in, it's always about remembering that fear isn't real. And Liz, I don't know. Maybe I just need to like lock myself in an elevator. I think I would pass out before I get over the fear, though. <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna get away out. Hey guys, if you have any tips for me, please hit me up. I feel like you should just lock yourself in. Just ride it up. Ride no. It up oh God, it sounds terrifying. <laughs> I'm totally what kidding. I'm not going to give you any advice on that. Great in the elevator. Like ate your favorite food in the elevator or like hung out with What Jackson. if I drink wine in the elevator? That's a bad idea. Is that, don't do <laughs> is that. that a bad idea? Oh, I thought that was a great idea. <laughs> I think that's a great idea because then I'll feel a little relaxed. Actually, I'll ride it up and down and then I'll slowly start tapering off the wine. I don't know if this is good or bad. <laughs> yeah, we can just like count how many floors you can get. Yeah, perfect. I, um, get 10 floors. I was on 10th floor. You know, my plane issue. Yeah. I was on a plane that got struck by lightning. You can imagine, like, that's scary for people that aren't plane phobic. Yeah. But I'd had, like, three glasses of wine. So I was like, well, that's unfortunate. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So maybe the solution is to get over your fear, drink a shit ton of wine. (laughs) And you'll be fine. But for real, like, what are some practical ways that people can start to get over their fears? I think, so my first thing is I have a pet peeve. If I could eliminate all bracelets, jewelry, shirts, Instagram quotes that say be fearless on them, mm. I would. No, but don't be fearless. The I, less like, is the problem. Yes. Yeah, like fearless people are psycho. Right. Like, they're strong. <laughs> are murderers. So, yes, you need yeah. to have a little bit of fear. Like it's going, it needs to be there or we wouldn't be alive. Exactly. Yeah. So like I'm, the tagline for my business is brave is the new fearless because I think one of the big things that we have to do when we're conquering these fears is acknowledge the little times that we were brave. And everyone's like, do something every day that scares you. I'm like, no, 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 no. Because then you're going to be like into this situation. Like, I'm really afraid. Yeah. And if we just focus on being brave and 
kind of like those tiny little steps. We were talking about what's a little thing that I can do to feel a little bit braver today. Mm -hmm. You start to focus on the bravery. But one thing that I feel like is a big thing when it comes to facing our fears is we always feel, we always think of that big fear. So like you're thinking of planes and you're thinking of elevators and it's just like this big fear that I have. And I feel like instead of rising to the occasion with that, you we just have to rise to every occasion. Mm. I'm rising to the big one first because oftentimes the decision or the actions that we take are actually made out of fear. Like for me, quitting my job or maybe like locking yourself in, a, in an elevator for 30 floors, like that's yeah. actually a fear-based decision. Right, yeah. And so I think it's like if we can normalize fear and rise to these tiny little occasions. So is... I joke, I say this all the time, but like, is that wearing a crop top today, even when everything in you is saying, don't do it, don't do it, like you're going to look dumb. Mm-hmm. Or if you have obviously like a big fear of dogs or something, but how can I normalize this? Like, am I afraid of puppies or mm. can I just like pet a dog or can I start to look at videos of dogs or something that's going to make you feel brave so that when you get to that big moment, you're not quaking with fear. You're like, I've done this before. Mm-hmm. This is just the next step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like taking that back to, I think there's a difference between like, I'm afraid of dogs or I'm afraid of elevators. And then like taking that into the life sense, like what are little, little things you can do to step into the life that you want to live? Yeah. Cause they're not separate. I think we try to separate these physical fears and these emotional ones, but our brain can't, again, it's very primitive. Our brain can't do that. It doesn't know the difference between I'm nervous that my parents are going to be pissed at me that I quit my job and there's a car headed straight at me for 60 miles an hour. Like our bodies react the same mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Our brains feel the same way. And so we have to start realizing that bravery in our everyday life is going to translate into those physical fears as well. Mm-hmm. And what I love, like the science behind it all, like the connection between your mind and your body is so intense. And I'm a big gut health person and the, the mm-hmm. relationship between your mind and your gut is so intense. And it affects like the way you think affects your, your body. It affects your health. It affects the way you feel. And I think if like, if you're struggling, sometimes it's like, well, let's look at the body side first. Like what are things you can start to do to make your body feel better? And then mm-hmm. once your body starts to feel better, then we can start, your mind can start to feel better. But maybe it's the opposite. Like maybe you need to start like changing things in the mental space to start making your body feel better. It's like the, all, all of this is connected. And I don't know where I'm going particularly with that, but I was just thinking like when you're fearful and you're, and you have, when you have these fears and your body reacts, it's sometimes okay just to know that it's not, it's not like that serious, I guess. Yeah. Like, so my mom is a registered dietitian. She's been a dietitian for 30 years. And I remember asking her, I was like, mom, do you feel like everybody knows three things that they can be doing to be healthier right now? Right? Like you don't have to have a perfect diet. And She was like, yeah, everybody can come up with three things that would absolutely radically change their health right now. The question is, why aren't they doing it? Yeah. And I feel like if we think about fear in the same way, it's like, we all know three things that we could do to face our fears today. Why aren't we doing it? And it kind of comes back to the same thing. Like, I know I've been in situations where I've been afraid of little things and my body's quaking and my hands are shaking. I feel like I'm going to throw up. But if we start to do and like work on the mental stuff, I feel like the the physical body kind of follows Mm -hmm. and vice versa. Like we have to treat our bodies right. Mm -hmm. Obviously, like you have to feed yourself well, because sometimes your body might be reacting since like all of its processes are thrown off. Mm -hmm. You don't know what's going on there. Mm -hmm. I think it goes back to, we've been talking a lot, I feel lately about black and white thinking. Yeah. And I it's tend, like a theme in a lot of our recent yeah, episodes. I tend to be kind of a black and white thinker. And I think it's that same kind of 
it's that like, because when I see my health overall and all the things that I like, quote unquote, need to do, it's like, I've got to be drinking all the water and getting all the sleep and doing all the meditation and, you know, being brave all the time. And it's like what you were saying with just taking those little itty bitty steps, maybe in a few areas. Mm -hmm. And then that starts to have like bigger changes so that you can start making bigger shifts in your life. And it's just kind of like a spiral. Yeah. I think sometimes when people start to, their awareness has been lifted a little bit and they start to get into this world and then they start reading the books and the podcast like we've done. But not too much. What what do you mean, but not too much? Not too much self-help as we discussed. Oh, right. No, but what I'm saying is like, then they get overwhelmed because then it is like, I need to do this. I need to do that. Oh my gosh, I have to do all of these things that all of these people are saying to live my best life. And you just have to pick a couple. Mm -hmm. You just have to pick a couple that work for you. And then what I noticed is all of a sudden you're doing multiple things a day and you're not even trying that hard. Like you'll wake up and you're you're doing all of these healthier things, but they're coming Mm -hmm. from a more intuitive place. That's yeah. the other thing that starts to happen is you're into it. You start listening to your intuition. So you're not just like, I need to do this because this person said, and this person said, it's like, I need to do this because my body said. It feels right. Yeah. right. I think that's the coolest thing that I realized in the process was that my intuition, everyone's intuition is brave. Yeah. And it's like, we let life get in the way and we do all these things. But when we just, when we start doing one thing to help ourselves and we start doing um, this one little thing here, this one little thing there, all of a sudden our intuition, like you said, our intuition takes over. And I've been so surprised sometimes. I'm like, wow, my intuition is smart and strong and brave and naturally is just like this leader. And I didn't know that I had that within me. Right. Well, think about when you're little, you live in your intuitive state. I just thought that. Yeah. The airport, with this little girl who was Were just you like, watching her? I was, like a weirdo. Not in a creepy way. I'm just... Not creepy. <laughs> Were I you watching that. her? She was just like, I watched her just explore the airport and I was really envious. I was like, I wish that's how I still was with life where everything was just an adventure and I went to the window and said, uh-oh, 50 times to the plane to see if that <laughs> would do anything. And I picked up garbage on the floor because like that could be fun. Like it's so exploratory and without... All you're focused on is learning and taking yeah. in your surroundings. You're not worried. I mean, maybe if parents yell at you, then you become concerned about what you think, what they think, but that's not on your radar. Well, I think about that all the time. I think that as our brains grow, like our brains are a great tool. They really are. They're a fabulous tool. They make us who we are. They help us do wonderful things and be doctors and create technology and whatever. But we have to learn to not, we don't have to listen to all of the thoughts in our brain. And when we're younger, it's a gift that we're not smart yet. Like it's a (laughs) gift that we're not that smart because we don't think about all of the things that could go wrong. And it's... We're just like, I'm hungry. I'm going to eat this peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It will taste good. Yeah. And then we do it. Yeah. And it's a practice to bring that back because I think so many of us have been conditioned to believe, and I think it's a lot of schooling and it's a lot of parents and it's a lot of society, but we've been conditioned to believe that overthinking is better. And Mm -hmm. it's not. Again, your brain is a tool. Use it for what it needs to be used, but it's a practice to bring back the creativity and bring back the intuition. The more I get into spirituality, the more I realize how when I let my brain go and I trust and I connect to my intuition, I live such a better life. Like things, answers come to me that would never have come to me before. I 100% agree with that. And I think it's it's funny to watch little kids too, because it's almost like 
like kids think about things. I, I mean, I don't remember thinking about things. I'm convinced that they think about things, right. but instead of processing and like letting it bounce around there and they have all these thoughts of like fears and other people's beliefs that they put on, it's like they're, they just vomit words out Yeah, and they say whatever. And sometimes it's mean, sometimes it's not. Right. Sometimes it's just like honesty. Yeah. And I think that it's so refreshing to just sit there and watch kids and be like, how how can I do something like that today? Mm-hmm. Like, do I need to pick up a piece of garbage? Like, just do like, I want right. to? Yeah, Does do I want feel good? to? Maybe. Do I want to say, uh-oh, at the planes? Maybe I do. It's like 15 minutes of, uh-oh, <laughs> at the plane. And I was like, don't, that doesn't make me as a fearful flyer feel any better. <laughs> Bringing it back to the flying fears. Oh, gosh. I have to ask, so do you do, because you mentioned clients, do you do like bravery coaching? So really interesting question. I started off doing one-on-one coaching mm-hmm. um, and I felt like that intuition nudge, like it wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. And I love one-on-one. I, it's really great to get to know somebody, but I really felt like I needed to be reaching more people. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing group coaching specifically just in terms of like art journaling. So I, I call it like the heart of courage program mm-hmm. like with art in brackets. And we talk about all these things. So it's the courage to face your fears, to feel worthy, to be real. So we have all these topics. And so right now I do just the group coaching with the art journaling mixed with like personal development. But part of the direction that I was going in with my business is that I think my person is like, as she's in my community longer, she's ready to do those programs. But when I first started out in the personal development world, I was not like, I want to do a program. I wasn't there yet. I wasn't, right? Like I, I wasn't ready to do that. I would read a book. Same. I would check out a blog. Um, that's how it so all that's started crazy. for me. Was yeah, I, I think it was a I, think, I think it was a book. Well, it actually was the fact that my body completely was destroyed and I was feeling terrible and sick. And then I started with books and podcasts, and then all of a sudden I was like, like opened to this world. But you're right. I wasn't like I need to do a coaching program. I like kind of needed to hit my own rock bottom and then start kind of digging for myself. Yeah. So that, and that's exactly, I realize that I'm putting together these programs and I love it and I love working with my clients, but I'm already reaching people who are in that consuming phase. Yes. Like there's more information equals transformation. Yes. I need the person who's not even, it's like not even on our radar yet. Cause that's where I was. I, uh, back to like my 2015 breakdown moment, I put myself in the hospital because I did a CrossFit class for the first time. And I remember I looked at this girl and they partnered us up and she was one of those CrossFit competitors. Like mm-hmm. this girl was ripped. And she was just in such great shape. And I remember I looked at her and I said, if I can do everything that she can do, my life will be perfect. Mm -hmm. If I can look like she looks and push myself how she pushes herself, my life will be perfect because I will look perfect and everything will just be great. So we all And so, yeah, it was like, I had this so warped mentality of my self-worth and my identity and my body image. And so after the class was over, we were the only two people who finished the class. And after the class was over, I went to work and my arm was stuck in this position. Oh, and I was like, probably need to go to the doctor. Yeah. So I went to the, like one of those minute clinic kind of things. And the person was like, you need to go to the ER now. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Rabdo. No. It's something that happens in the CrossFit community fairly often from what I hear. But it's essentially like when you're building your muscles, you have the tiny little micro tears in your muscle. Mm-hmm. And then it builds up and that's how you get more muscle. Well, if you tear down too much of the tissue all at once, the protein goes into your bloodstream and it your kidneys fail in like 24 hours. Whoa. Oh my gosh. From, and I'm, I'm probably like paraphrasing, but when you have like that symptom, like my arms were so sore, I literally could not move it. Wow. Um, my arms swelled to the size of my leg. 
So it was like just this massive arm and I didn't know what was going on. And um, it turns out I didn't have rhabdo. I just like severely ripped all of the muscles in my arm, mm-hmm. um, tore them. But I remember that was kind of my wake up call moment. We like all tend to have a, and that's not true. Not everybody has to have a wake up call moment, I don't think, but that I kind of had my own wake up call too. I think that people, we're constantly given little nudges and little signs that things aren't right. And it's like, maybe it's a pit in your stomach before you go to work the next day, or maybe your relationships around you are really just like not feeling quite right. There's always something, but, and I hate for it to come to this, but I do feel like we get to a point where we keep ignoring our intuition. God will put something in our way that we totally. absolutely can't get around unless we choose to. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is a moment. And that's, that's kind of where my person is. I want to stop her before she gets to that point, which is why I've been doing more of the community style mm-hmm. elements. So the graphic t-shirts and the cool merchandise. And it's like maybe one little moment where she puts on a brave shirt will help her realize like, okay, I can focus on this today. Mm-hmm. So where can we buy the brave shirt? Yeah, because I want one. I'm actually about ready to, to reveal them. So I've been really? working with designers for like two months. We should uh, do like a little giveaway or something yeah. with a listener. I a hundred percent because there I have one of the designs sitting in my email cool. right now. The vector file. So we could absolutely do a giveaway. Yay, so that fun. would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so excited about that because it's been a project that's on my heart. I don't know about you guys, but like sometimes you just need to wear something yeah. or read something or I'm thinking just, about getting a tattoo. Like just a yeah. teeny one, a little tiny one that says something, I don't know. It's like something along the lines of like being free and trusting. That's my two big things. Like I, when I feel like I'm doing the right thing, I feel really free in my mind and in my body and just trusting, like trusting the universe, trusting that things are going to work out. So yeah, words for me, when I see them, I feel it. I'm like, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. Trust, feel, brave. I love it. Well, I always loved a good graphic tee. Who doesn't love a good graphic like, tee? I still I, have from your... Bridal shower, the what's it say? We pop she, in bottles. We pop in bottles. I still have that too. Because said he popped the question, and ours said we pop in bottles. I wear it all the time. <laughs> I still yeah. wear my he popped the question one. <laughs> I mean, to be totally honest, my t shirt line was a little bit selfish because when we got into the bus, I gave away all of my stuff. Like, I was like, oh, minimalist. Woo, let's yeah. the life. I was going to ask if you had to oh, get rid yeah. of everything. Um, I've really learned how to stylize my husband's shirts, mm. high waisted, like tying knots and adding necklaces. So we kind of share a wardrobe, but shirts. And I had I played volleyball at Duke, so I had Duke volleyball shirts and a Bob Ross graphic tee, and I was like, yeah. I need to be a little bit more fashionable. Yes. Oh, and I, thus the tees came along. I'm actually like all about your Bob Ross graphic. I was like, that's the oh, best shirt, Bob Ross, and he's painting the universe and wow. his. Just actually, Bob Ross is one of my idols. He's great. Um, He's got a very so interesting life. Oh my gosh, story. there he is. is. I love it. Wait, is that just like Bob a Ross little... Chia pet. I was going to say it looks like a chia pet. It's a chia pet. I haven't planted it yet because I just love looking at his face and when it gets, it overgrows. And so I'm not ready. To not ready to Just let him. leave him there. Leave him as a statue. Have you heard his story? No. It's really interesting. No, I haven't. He was in the military. I think it's the Air Force for like 20 years. And he talked about how he had to like scream at people and question men's masculinity and like Mm. be this person that he didn't want to be, but he had to fit that role. And so when he left the military, he was like, I'm never going to scream again. And he didn't. And so he started painting and his style of painting is called, I sound so nerdy. It's called wet on wet. So basically he puts wet paint over wet paint Mm. and you don't do that, I guess. And all these people were like, you're going to be a failure. Your way doesn't work. And he's like, I'm going to do things my way. And I love that. Because like, 
I think everybody can relate to times that they had to be somebody that they weren't and it ate away at them inside. Yes. And also like your way is not ever going to work. And he was true to himself through all of that. And I would have never thought of him as an inspiration, I like really. I now need a Bob Ross statue is inspiration in my life. We need a Bob Ross Chia pet. Yeah. Everybody does. And he made friends with squirrels. Like, I just love him. Bob Ross Chia pet, I, I, graphic tea. We'll all be matching and living our best lives. <laughs> living our best life with Bob Ross. Yay. With Bob Ross. <laughs> so how can our audience find you if they want to learn more or know more about coaching? Or do you have an Instagram page? Where can we buy the teas? Give us all the details. So theartofbravery.com. You can have my blog on there. The merchandise link is on there. And then uh, I'm on Instagram at the art of bravery. Or if you're more into the bus stuff, people, I separate them. I have my I life. I following your bus Instagram. I did both. I wanted yeah. both sides. Uh, I'm going to follow at the art of bravery right now because I don't know if I am. Cool. Yeah, that one's more of just like the graphic tees, the blogs, all of that. Um, and then my personal one, Christiana G. Hill. That one is more just bus life, me being random. I'm weird. just following them all. You just got me as a fangirl, yeah. following everyone. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I know that this is going to really help a lot of our listeners and has been a really great reminder for myself. Yes, I needed this today. So as we both head into this new phase of our lives. Yeah, I'm so excited for you guys. And thank you so much for having me on. I can't even tell you how much I appreciate it. And I'm a fangirl over here. So I'm like, oh, thanks. Yay. On. so cool. Yay. Thank you. All right, guys, we hope that you really enjoyed that episode with Christiana. Go follow her on Instagram. Her story is really cool. I know that living in a bus is one of the coolest things that I've heard in a long time. And I can't wait to just see all of the pictures and watch that journey unfold for her. She gave you her coaching information and all of that wonderful stuff. So make sure to follow her and give her a like there and make sure to check out her graphic tees. I know that me and Liz are going to be looking into them and we're going to be doing a giveaway soon. So make sure to head on over to our Instagram at wine and shine podcast to get more information on that. And if you haven't subscribed yet, Make sure to subscribe on iTunes. We are also on Spotify and join our Wine and Shine Facebook group, The Wine and Shiners. That's all we have for you guys. And we'll see you next week. Bye.